Well, at the quarterback position, Cam Ward remains the hottest name in the transfer portal still out there. Is he worth the hype? You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So Cam Ward, a couple other quarterbacks of note for certain fan bases and perhaps others as we move through this crazy transfer portal cycle. There are still a lot of names out there. A lot of names in the transfer portal. Cam Ward is one of them. And he's a guy who started his career at FCS Incarnate Word. And after watching him at Washington State the last two years, I think most people would ask themselves, how did he have to go FCS coming out of high school? There are just a lot of talented players in the country. He's one of them. He's garnering a lot of attention. There were the reports from uh, Brock Heward at 710 AM Seattle that he was, you know, garnering like $10 million plus NIL offers. And I'm sure he's going to be worth that, at least in the eyes of Matt Rule. That's what you need to get an elite quarterback nowadays. But I think the question for him in the broader landscape of college football is if Cam Ward goes to your team, what is he going to be? Is he worth the hype of being arguably the most coveted transfer quarterback in this particular class for 2024? I think that that answer is mostly yes. There is definitely some risk with him. But my argument has been and continues to be that he is someone who for the last two years has put up really good numbers, has been inconsistent at times, and I think that is a reflection of what he has had around him. Not that Washington State hasn't had a good team, but are there better situations and better teams that he can go to? 100% I think so. I think that Ohio State should be at the top of his list. If Ryan Day calls you and says, we would like you to come play quarterback for us for your final year of college football eligibility. If I were advising Cam Ward, maybe he's listening to or watching the show, I'd tell you, Ohio State is the best place you can go. Now, what Ohio State will think about when offering him a, an offer like that or any other school that goes to him and says, hey, we'd like you to come be our quarterback, is there are moments in which Cam Ward makes a play where you're doing this. For those listening on podcasts, I was scratching my head. That is 100% part of the downside with him. The upside with him is so great, I think it outweighs any potential negatives. And do you have the perfect college football player? Because if so, I'd love to see him. I I would love to see who the perfect college football player is that has no downside, no mistake. I'd love to see the perfect coach that everyone claims to you know exist out there. Like Nick Saban is not a perfect coach. He hasn't always had a great kicker. I, I mean, it's just, it, it's a fact. I think he's got a really good one right now. 
But I'm just saying over the years, nothing is ever perfect, though we'd like it to be. That's not the way it is. Reminds me of golf, which I played earlier today. Nothing is ever perfect. You're striving for it, knowing that it's not actually possible. So Cam Ward this year is a highly coveted transfer. Why? He threw for over 3,700 yards, completed almost 67% of his passes. He had 25 touchdowns to seven interceptions. I believe, I'm going to double check the stats right now, that he had fewer interceptions this year than he did last year. Now, stat websites for for college football teams take a really long time to load. So we'll come back to that in in just a moment as I get to uh, this particular question. Oh, look, there we are. Ward a season ago on about the same number of attempts threw for 500 fewer yards, two fewer touchdowns, and two more interceptions. He had nine last year, seven this year. So that's a sign of a guy who is able to take coaching, who has progressed, and I think has definitely fully adapted to the Power 5 level compared to when he first arrived from Incarnate Word. And so as he has gone, Washington State has gone. When he struggles, typically Wazoo struggles. When he thrives, typically Wazoo has thrived because he's a very productive player. Now, this question came in from a Washington State fan. If you ever want a question answered here on the show, jump in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12, DMs and mentions wide open on both spots. This is a good question from Tyler. Hey, Spencer, love listening to the show. Appreciate you. I'm a diehard Coug fan. Appreciate the respect you give us. The Twitter world has been blowing up lately around where all of these transfer quarterbacks are going to end up. That's because it makes for the best offseason content. It's fantastic. Everyone has talked about how great Cam Ward was at Wazoo, and if he had a better supporting cast, he could be in the Heisman race next year. That was a suggestion from Joel Klatt on his podcast. I agree with him, by the way. However, since his first year in Pullman, I've been saying he's not a winner. Oof. Harsh. There were so many times this year where he had the opportunity to use his legs for a first down and opted to either throw the ball away or try to squeeze it into double coverage. He literally ran out of bounds on fourth down for a loss against Oregon. That game had already been decided at that point. I agree with that play, though. You can't run out of bounds on fourth down. Throw an interception. That's better than running out of bounds because you at least you know gave your team a chance. I know our run game was non-existent, but if his first read wasn't there, he was a drastically different quarterback. 90% of the time, he eluded pressure. He just ended up throwing it out of bounds. I think Cam has a ton of talent, and if he went to the right place, he could boost his NFL draft stock. But to be honest, there isn't a starting quarterback at Wazoo since 2014 that I wouldn't take over Ward. He mentions Connor Halliday, Luke Falk, Gardner Minshew, and Jaden Delore. Would love to hear your thoughts on this during the show. On the four Wazoo quarterbacks there, I understand taking Minshew over him. I could even get talked into Luke Falk. I can't get behind the other two. And I watched I watched Halliday, and I watched – pretty sure it was Connor Halliday was his name. I remember watching those guys and, and Delora as well. No way I would take Halliday or Delora over Ward. Minshew or Falk? I can get talked into that. I, I can absolutely see it. So on the drawbacks that you're bringing up here, they are 100% real. I think that for Cameron Ward, when he first came to Washington State, my question for him was the same question that I've had for any FCS quarterback, whether that's Shador Sanders or you know Vernon Adams back in the day at Oregon, who was really good. Anytime you're making that jump, it is a sizable gap in athleticism, speed, 
and just the ferociousness with which the opposing defense is going to be able to play against you. And there's a lot of good football at the FCS level. I'm a a play-by-play guy for an FCS school. There are a lot of good players. Power five football, it's different. And for Ward, there was an adjustment phase where at first he was making throws and making plays that he could make against FCS opponents that he had to learn. You can't do that against power five guys. Players are too big and too fast. I think he improved in in that front, and that's shown by his completion percentage, his yardage, and his interceptions all improving from last season to this season. I think they got better over the course of uh, uh, last season a little bit as well. There was one; It was kind of split in, in two halves there. But I think that for Ward, what he needs, it, like I, I definitely put some of those plays and those realities for him on Cameron Ward. It's in his nature to try to be a playmaker. I put some of that on the coaching staff as well. I also put some of it on the receiving core. I've seen Cam Ward many a times, and I know you have as well, make plays outside the pocket when his receivers come available to him. I think that Kyle Williams and Josh Kelly and Lincoln Victor, when he was there, good, solid receivers. I don't think he had a big-bodied guy who he could throw the ball up in a 50-50 situation to, and they didn't use their tight ends in that offense because it's an air raid. So I think those two factors contribute to the lack of those plays or those sequences where it's like, oh, you know, he keeps the play play alive, but then he just throws it away. I'd rather him throw it away than throw an interception, number one. And number two, I think he's throwing it away because no one was able to separate. I think you get him a higher level receiving core. Like, you know, Josh Kelly, Kyle Williams, real good receivers. On a great receiving core in the Pac-12, they would be number three guys. On Arizona, they'd be the number three guys. USC, probably three, maybe even fourth. At Oregon, they would have been three. At Washington, they'd be four at highest, maybe even five. So I think that uh, I, I think that's that's a factor of it. But there, there's a little bit more to it as well that, that, that warrants discussion. FanDuel always warrants discussion, though. Why? Because that is a place where as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot. What more could you possibly want there? Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. They've got a great interface and a wide range of betting options. Everything you could possibly want over there. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you want to spice up bowl season, if you think bowl season, I'm not in this camp, but I know that many people are, is meaningless and doesn't count for anything and blah, 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 and it's not fun. I love bowl season. And the best way to spice it up is to go check it out at FanDuel, which is an official partner of the NFL as well. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season, get your college football gambling fix as well. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So when it comes to Cam Ward, I think that some of the things that you've seen with him can be coached out of him. I I think that Ben Arbuckle did a solid job this year. I don't think that any Washington State fan, let me know if you disagree, Coug fans listening to or watching this right now, I don't think anyone would say he was absolutely dynamite. I think that he was you know, a good hire. I think he got off to a great start. But I mean, against Stanford, put up seven points at home. I know they missed a field goal, but man, that's 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 just one example of the offense. I don't think reached his full potential, and I don't think Ward 
has reached his full potential. I think some of the mistakes you see with him, if he goes to the right situation, can be coached out of him. And Bo Nix is a fantastic example. And, and, and by the way, I think Michael Penix is a fantastic example. Look at Penix's numbers in every year in which he hasn't had Kalen DeBoer. They haven't been very good. Look at Bo, Bo Nix's numbers when he was at Auburn before he got to Oregon. They were not nearly as good as what he did the last two seasons. What changed? The environment and the coaching. And, and the coaching, I think, is a big part of that. And I don't think that Arbuckle, you know, it did enough to really impress me this year when it comes to Ward's development and how he progressed throughout the season. You know, some of his mistakes from last year to this year, I think, just came with experience. But, you know, the individual plays you're talking about where you're raising a concern on this, that, and the other thing, I think some of that comes down to coaching. And that's why I'm a big fan, if I'm Cam Ward, of going to Ohio State, because I think Ryan Day is such a fantastic fit for him. He's a former quarterbacks coach. He's an offensive guy. He just produced a top five pick in C.J. Stroud, who looks like he's going to be the greatest quarterback since Patrick Mahomes, which is you know an exaggeration, of course, but he looks very, very good. I think that that is a, a really, really good fit. Yeah, you're going to have some moments perhaps where you know he's trying to squeeze it into double coverage or trying to do too much, but I think part of that as well came from what's known as Superman syndrome, and that's a player, particularly a quarterback, who when the rest of the offense around him is – not thriving or isn't even really capable. I mean, Wazoo was just a horror. Them in Colorado just could not run the football this year. When you have that sort of situation, I think guys tend to force the issue, try and make plays that aren't there and, and create turnover-worthy situations. And I think that if you go to an environment where that is removed or at least lessened, you can get the best out of Cam Ward. So great question. I, I, I think it's you bring up some really, really valid points, but that's why I remain high on him, depending on where he goes. Miami, Tyler Van Dyke just transferred for a reason. Remember the Heisman first-round draft talk with him? That went away pretty quickly. Cristobal's record with quarterbacks is not good. It is actually bad, and I don't think that Miami would be a good spot for him. I'd love to see him go to a contender because I think that he can really, really make a difference if you put him in the right situation there. So speaking of quarterbacks in the transfer portal, making a difference. I don't know if these guys will, but it they, they, they warrant discussion. So one guy is someone who I talked about plenty in the offseason leading up to this year, and that was Sam Jackson V. Another guy is Dylan Morris. I'll get to Morris in a moment. I'll start with Jackson. So Sam Jackson was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He goes to TCU. He's not playing, doesn't see a path to playing time. He transfers to Cal this offseason. He was one of the reasons that I was unusually bullish on the California Golden Bears, a take I feel obliged to remind anyone who hasn't seen or heard me uh, you know, toot my own horn on this before, that I was 100% right on to the point where I got their record exactly right at 6-6. Six and six. Now, part of the reason that I felt Cal would be an improved team from 2022 was that they had made an offensive coordinator change. They've since had to make another one after – uh, Jake Spavadol went went down to Baylor, which I think is a good hire for, for the Bears in the Big 12. But part of the reason was I thought Sam Jackson would be their starting quarterback and that he would bring a dimension to the offense that they didn't have the year before with Jack Plummer, who guided Louisville to the ACC championship game, which is a testament to the fact that Cal and Stanford could win some games in the ACC because it's not that good. 
And when Plummer got there and faced a real defense, he looked pretty average at best. And that's what I think he is. So for Jackson, he came in and was starting. And I mean, the arm strength, the mobility, the the, the running potential he's got, really, really good. And there were flashes. There were glimpses of it. But it became clear pretty quickly that he was wildly underdeveloped as a passer and a very raw prospect. Now, he's got a lot of potential, but he and Nate Johnson from Utah to me are the same guy. Their athletic potential makes you look at them and go, hey, if you get the right system and become a better thrower, you can be productive. But the throwing element, which is last time I checked, pretty important for quarterbacks, they're a long ways away. They are a long ways away. I think that Jackson is someone who is going to step down in competition. I don't know if he goes to an FCS school to start, but I could see him going to, you know, a Mountain West maybe or an American conference team or Conference USA Sunbelt somewhere like that because I don't think that he was seeing the field and processing things quickly enough to start at the Power 5 level. Like he would need a developmental year, and I don't know if he wants to take that. I, I don't know if you know he wants to do what Dante Moore says he wants to do, which is I want to sit for a year, redshirt, be developed, and then be ready for the next season. If he does, I think it'd be good for him. Does he want to do that? I can't hold it against him if he doesn't want to. So I think that for Jackson, he's got a lot of athletic talent, and his arm talent is immense. But he has a long way to go, and, and I think that for him – you know, to get the most out of his playing career, I think he's got to take a step down in, in in competition there. And I don't think that any of the teams, you know, that we regularly talk about here on the show, most notably Oregon State, Washington State, they're looking for quarterbacks. I don't think they should be looking at Jackson. Uh, by the way, Ty Thompson, I'm just throwing this out there. That's the name I've talked about on the show before. Ty Thompson, former five-star recruit, the highest-rated quarterback commit in Oregon history, has started following a couple of beavers on social media. That could just be random. Or it could not be random. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out. I'm just throwing it out there. That's all. That's all. I think it'd be a great fit for a number of reasons. But we'll see if that one plays out. I think I got all my thoughts out of the way on Sam Jackson. But... Dylan Morris is the other name. Um, and speaking of Cal, let me put a bow on this. I, I had a tweet and then I had to kind of backtrack with another tweet that, you know, uh, when Sam Jackson was in the portal, I said, oh, yeah, that looks like uh, a move that makes sense because, you know, M Mendoza's got to be the starter next year. Yeah, then Cal went out and added the guy from North Texas, Chandler Rogers. North Texas, who Cal beat earlier this season, I don't know if the plan is for there to be a competition or – if if Rogers is the guy, I don't know, but I didn't see that one coming because man, Mendoza was good. I mean, he was third on the depth chart, and all of a sudden he was first, and he deserved to be first because he played the best football of any of Cal's quarterbacks this year. And I, for one, am a Fernando Mendoza fan because, well, he got the Bears to six and six, and I got to take a massive victory lap on the show for a take that I had been hyping up for uh, for several months. So. I, I was a little surprised at that one, but that, that's the world that, that we're in. Portal kids are just available and teams are taking them and they're just going to take them over and over and over again. That's that's what's going to happen. What's going to happen with Dylan Morris? Do you know the name Dylan Morris? Are you aware 
of who Dylan Morris is, where Dylan Morris plays, and what Dylan Morris has done in his career, you're about to. You're about to hear about LinkedIn, too, because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals. That's billion with a B, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Go post your job over there for free, which last time I checked is a really good price, at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. No spaces there to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Dylan Morris. A curious name in the transfer portal. Another guy who I can definitely see taking a step down in competition. Now, I have no idea what his timeline will be for committing. He's apparently going to remain on Washington's roster for the uh, for the Sugar Bowl, the college football playoff semifinal against Texas. I believe he's number two on their depth chart, if memory serves. So that kind of makes sense. But he has announced his intention to put his name into the transfer portal and will be available. He's a former four-star recruit. He played at Washington for two seasons as a starter in 2020, which wasn't much of a season, and 2021, which was a disaster of a season. I think it's really easy to look at Dylan Morris and your gut reaction to be, man, who could possibly want that guy? I kind of have that gut reaction, which is why I think that a Mountain West or high-level FCS home could be a fitting spot for him. I also think that 2021, by any Washington fan's own omission, was an abject disaster because their coaching staff was terrible. My mom is a Husky, and back when John Donovan got hired, even she knew, why are they hiring this guy? This is not the right guy to hire. Yeah, it turns out he wasn't the right guy to hire. Jalen McMillan was on that roster. I think Roma Dunze and Puka Nakua were on that roster, if, if memory serves. And they couldn't figure out a way to throw the football. Kalen DeBoer came in and said, yeah, 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 okay, we're going we're gonna to fix that. So would Dylan Morris be a power five target? I don't think so. I, I don't think either he nor Sam Jackson are going to be high-level power five targets. I do think that they could remain at the FBS level. I think they're talented enough for that. But I won't be surprised if one of them, Sam Heward was a five-star recruit. He ended up playing FCS football. I won't be surprised in the slightest if either Dylan Morris or Sam Jackson end up playing at an FCS program next year. And there are a lot of good FCS programs out there. 100% there are some really, really good ones. I won't be surprised if one of those guys ends up there. I'll make a prediction. One guy plays G5 football and one guy plays FCS. We'll see if I'm I am proven right on that. But those two quarterbacks are in the portal. And as Washington State and Oregon State continue to look for their options at quarterback for 2024 and evaluate, you know, who's available and such, I don't think either of those guys should be on their radar. But they're Pac-12 guys, so I thought they were uh, worth bringing up here on the show. As is this guy. Here's a name to know, speaking of the FCS. Anthony Woods. Do you know who that is? Probably not. That's what I'm here for. Anthony Woods is in the transfer portal. He's a running back from Idaho. 
Now, Idaho has been turned around uh, by Jason Eck, I believe is the head coach's name. I talked about him briefly on the show a while back as kind of an outside-the-box candidate for the Oregon State head coaching job. He has done a, a fantastic job at, at Idaho, and that's his name, Jason Eck. He has revitalized that program in a significant way and has made them a top 10 team. They're in the quarterfinals this year. And like they, they were, you know, a nothing program before, uh, you know, the last couple of years. I actually called one of their games when, when Southern Utah was uh, in the big sky with them. And they have just been completely revitalized. And one guy who was at the center of their great team this year was Anthony Woods. He's their running back. So, he ran uh, in the last two seasons for over 2,000 yards, including over 1,100 this year and eight touchdowns. Now, the last two running backs to have success in the big sky specifically and transfer to the FBS level were Isaiah Afonso and Cameron Scadaboo. Scadaboo currently is doing everything he can offensively, or I guess their season's over. So he did everything he could offensively, including but not limited to playing quarterback and punting for ASU. Isaiah Afonso, when healthy with Jaden Ott, formed maybe the best one-two punch uh, at running back in the entire conference. I think Oregon and uh, Oregon State's running back tandems would be in that mix as well. But those two guys are studs. So if your team's looking for a running back, I'm telling you, that kid Anthony Woods from Idaho, that's a dude. Like Drax talking about Thor in Avengers Infinity War. No, you are a dude. This, this is a man. Anthony Woods is a man, not a dude. He is a man. So anyway, let's close with some thoughts on... Uh, on the 12-team playoff, of which I have shared my thoughts on this show a number of times. Everydayers are aware that I am not a fan. So, as a result, this question came in. Again, YouTube comments or Twitter, always ways to get questions answered here on the show. Spencer, I have a food-for-thought idea that may make you reconsider lack of support for the expanded playoff. I look forward to seeing you try. As I read about two more Oregon players who are entering the draft on top of all the transfers around the country and how you can't even guess who will play in the bowls, makes it hard to do bowl picks. I agree with that part. The expanded playoffs would probably make the likelihood of quality matchups and full team rosters be available for more bowl games. That is one piece. The other is moving the transfer portal, which I know you have ripped on multiple times, and I'll take the opportunity to do here once again in a moment. Right now, there hasn't been much movement in the four in the playoffs with 12 that would expand out to all those teams curious your thoughts on this idea so with regards to slowing down transfer portal movement i'm unclear how adding you know eight more teams into the playoff is going to radically alter the number of kids in the portal when that number is over a thousand at the fcs and fbs level it's not going to make that much of a dent uh so that's the first thing second thing I am not someone who sits here and says everything about the 12-team playoff stinks. When I see those mock graphics about, hey, if the 12-team playoff were this year, it'd be Florida State and Liberty and the winner plays and gets housed by you know Michigan or somebody or, or whoever it is. And Oregon would play Missouri and it would be in Eugene. And 
I am not denying that those games are going to be exciting and that they add more interest and that those specific games are going to be more intriguing and you'll have fewer opt-outs and it'll provide excitement to those fan bases. I understand the upside there and I'm going to enjoy the upside at some level. Here's where my objection comes in. It has nothing to do with the playoff itself. Because any playoff in any sport can be exciting. That's not the question. That's not the doubt. That's not the concern. That's not the fundamental issue that I have. I lament that bowl season has become less than what it once was. I remember as a kid watching Oregon win the 2000, and I think it was eight, Holiday Bowl. Jeremiah Masoli ran over an Oklahoma State safety. It's an iconic play from Oregon football in my entire childhood. It is. Would that get, would that sort of play exist nowadays? Well, you know, Bo Nix is playing in the Fiesta Bowl, but that feels like a throwback mentality. I don't like that we've gotten there because as a sport, college football used to be about something greater than just the postseason. It was about regionality. It was about historic matchups. It was about a multi-year build that paid off in a chance to play for a championship. It wasn't about an all-in approach to make the playoff every year. And college football has been unique because its regular season has always been the greatest thing to watch on the planet. It is light years ahead of the NFL in my view. I get that the NFL has got more viewership, and I understand how that works, and it's a very well-managed league. You cannot tell me that a loss in the NFL matters as much as a loss in college football. There is no sport in the world, to my knowledge, where a regular season loss is more impactful for your team and for the fans of other teams than college football. That's why it's the best. You have to watch every week. You can't miss games. You can't lose many games. You can't lose more than one game. Now you're going to be able to lose three games and get consideration. Because Penn State this year went 10-2. and Great season. Great season. Those losses to Michigan and Ohio State will feel like the NFL where they don't really matter. Because they'll just get in anyway. Michigan-Ohio State has served as an elimination game. Multiple times for Ohio State in the last couple of years. Would have been last year as well if USC had not lost in the conference title game. All of that urgency and the essential, what is essentially a multi-week playoff that stretches throughout the entire season, that is being removed. That is what I lament. I do not argue that a 12-team playoff will have fun components and great matchups and more host site games that are on campus. I think all of that is fantastic. What I don't think is fantastic is that this year's game against Michigan and Ohio State is now irrelevant outside of the matchup that it mean of what it, for what it means between those two fan bases. That regionality has been at the core of why that game has been great. It's had national implications. Now it doesn't. Now it's Chiefs and Bills or Chiefs and Eagles, or Eagles, Bills, whoever. Like, you lose a game, and the Bills are 7-6 and six right now. They could go to the playoffs. 
You can't tell me those losses mean as much because they don't. And that is where my objection comes from. I will not waver from that position, though I see your point. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.